Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. My name is Tim Wheaton, joined as always by Fraser Crone, the editor at MMA Sucker. How you doing today, Fraser? Yeah, still on a still on a high from this weekend. I think the <laughs> UFC card was had that big fight feel going into it for me. All fight week, you know, we got um, bits and bobs on online, you know, YouTube, and we had the press conference that we sometimes don't get, um, mm-hmm. especially obviously for the fight nights we don't get them. And had that for me, it had that big fight feel going in. We had. Obviously, two title fights, then the Kamzat fight. And, you know, Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres is, is a huge fight. These two girls have headlined before. And then we've got, you know, scattered throughout the card. We've got, we had big, big names um, competing throughout. You know, we had Raquel Pennington, Aspen Ladd sort of buried on the prelims. Well, that's a, a former title challenger and a former headliner. So, uh, yeah, we had that big fight feel going in. And I think it really lived up to that. I think it was a really, really good card. You know what? I completely co-signed. The two headlining fights were basically uh, top pound-for-pound titles because uh, I, I think Volkanovski is up there for pound-for-pound, pound, especially after this weekend. Piotr Yan was my number one pick on pound-for-pound. Pound. So this weekend had a little bit of drama. It had a big fight feel, but coming out of it, we have a lot to talk about. And let's start with the Let's not bury the lead. I think there's one fight that everyone wants us to talk about. The guy who is the secret headliner and secret behind the UFC, Hamzat Shemaev, uh, came up in ranks he was number 11 facing number two it's a matter of framing this fight he won two rounds i would argue quite clearly got beat up and dropped in the second round um there's a lot of different ways to frame this fight of if we're looking at if he's facing for a title right now how does he look if we assume he's a developing fighter if he's a low-ranked fighter coming up and fighting a contender or he's already a great fighter facing a contender it really depends you see every line of where you're at in this guy's fandom. Oh, I think we have to be realistic. Like, yeah, he came up and faced a challenger. If he fights like that against even a, a Luke, I think he's going down. If he fights a, uh, uh, the champion, I think he's going down as well. If he keeps improving, that sounds good. But to say he looks like garbage or he looks amazing is being disingenuous. But Fraser, I don't want to say too much. What do you think? What did you think of the, the fight and what's uh, Shamayev's future hold? Yeah. You know, I think, Completely co-sign everything you say. I mm. think if he, he faces Usman next, I think Usman is, isn't going to buy into the, the Chamayev. I think to a degree, Burns did buy into that Chamayev hype, which is why we saw quite a slow start from Burns early on. Mm-hmm. Usman's not going to do that. Usman's the champion for a reason. Usman's going to see that Chamayev gassed after three rounds and he's going to look to take him into the deep waters. Yep. He's a lot, Usman's a lot bigger than, than Burns as well. Burns ma- managed to make 155. Usman's not making 155 if he's like no. on it, you know. And, <laughs> you know, the same with Colby. I don't think Colby buys into anybody's hype other than his own. So I think if, if Colby was to be next, I think Colby, Colby for me doesn't have the punching power of Usman, which means that he couldn't, he w- probably wouldn't rock Jemayev. But Jemayev, Take down defense, phenomenal in this fight. And, you know, I think he gave, he didn't give Burns the respect that he needed, mm-hmm. well, that he deserved. And at the end of the day, what a fight it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, I true. Just, like, that's the takeaway context. from this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can, you know, up, up to this fight, Jemayev had um, absorbed just one strike. This fight, he absorbed 141. So 140 more strikes than he had absorbed beforehand. But we needed that, you know, we needed that for Chemayev to see, you know, we didn't want the kind of Francis Ngannou rise where he gets completely mm. exposed in the wrestling. That's true. We wanted to see Kamzat in deep waters and we definitely, definitely saw that against Gilbert Burns. And, you know, I think the Burns fight was certainly the one, the right one to make because Burns has been there. Yeah. He's fought for the title. He's in and around the top top three of the division. Obviously, he was ranked number two on Saturday. Yeah, Jamayev will be ranked, obviously, top five now. But I think he loses. If, if he faces, you know, Usman next, I think he loses to Usman. Rocky Edwards is a different one, Leon Edwards, because, you know, Leon on the feet is elite, in my opinion. And then his wrestling is sometimes what lets him down ever so slightly. He's also not the biggest welterweight. So Jamayev yeah. may have a bit of an easier time with him and, but, but this is, this is, I want to throw something at you quick with uh, regarding Leon Edwards because this fight with Gilbert Burns and Hamza Shamayev is essentially, um, is two ground guys 
striking. Both of them are ground guys primarily. If he strikes with Leon Edwards, I don't think he can win. If he takes it to the ground, it's kind of an easy fight, which is a weird thing in MMA. But it's a matter of if he fights to the best of his abilities, which I don't think he maybe necessarily was in this fight. But I don't know. What do you think of the Leon fight? Sorry. Sorry to interject. Back. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. The, like, like you said, I think that it's grappler versus grappler on the feet. Like we saw Usman versus Colby, number one, which grappler versus grappler played out on the feet. I think Jemayev was... Obviously, he did get the takedown a couple of times, but he was wary of Gilbert Burns' guard game. With the greatest respect to Leon, I don't think Jamayev will be that concerned about Leon Edwards' game off his back. Edwards, yes, it, you know, yes, he's the, by far and away the better striker, but he doesn't have one-punch knockout power, one-punch power to rock, rock, a, rock an opponent, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Gregor coming up was managed managed to drop Diaz multiple times. Edwards wasn't able to drop Diaz, although he dominated the fight. He wasn't able to drop Diaz at all in that fight. And you know, we'll go on to talk about the main event. But that's where I think Volkanovski really put it all together. Is he sat down yeah. with shots a lot more? Now Edwards is a little bit risk averse, as far as he probably doesn't sit down on all of the shots that that, that he throws because he doesn't want to be taken down, or or you know, he wants he always wants to be defensively aware and I think Jemayev probably I don't want to disrespect Edwards but I think Jemayev Edwards is a phenomenal fight I couldn't pick that one now because we don't know what Edwards is going to look like against Usman you know if he gets dominated in the on the ground by Usman it's easy probably to say that Jemayev probably does the same to him if he beats up Usman on the feet and then gets taken down it's probably easy to say that he's going to beat Jemayev up on the feet but I think you know Colby's probably going to be next. That's was what was discussed throughout fight week by uh, by Dana White, and that makes sense to me. Yeah, you've also it got does. the boogeyman of the division in Vicente Luque, who's fighting this weekend, who's <laughs> on a phenomenal win streak, who finishes pretty much every fight that he fight that he that he competes in, and is it also a big guy? You know, he's he's a big welterweight. He has to cut a lot to get down to welterweight. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy fight for Chamayev because Chamayev won't be able to just rock, rock Luke like he did Burns with you know he he dropped Burns with a jab in the I think it was the first first round he dropped Burns with a jab. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do that to someone like Vicente Luque. He's taking big shots off the likes of you know Tyron Woodley and and alike. So uh, you know I think before we start matching Chamayev up, we have to see how this weekend goes first, and then maybe you know you look at a final eliminator between Luque and Chamayev. So did we just round out the that the like what did we used to call welterweight like stalemate or something like that? Is the division finally moving? Do we have a bunch of fresh contenders in the welterweight division finally after like three years of nothing happening? That's oh, the thing, my. isn't it? And yeah. but then you've got such a dominant champion in Usman that yeah, you know, for me <laughs> Usman's pound for pound number one still. Uh, it doesn't you know this weekend didn't change the number one spot because I think Usman could go up to middleweight and have as much success as he has at welterweight with mm-hmm. Volkanovski. I think he's, for me, going in at number two now at pound for pound because he put on such a good performance this weekend. But uh, it's, uh, I don't think Usman struggles with any of these guys. You know, it's, 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 it's his age that's going to catch up with him and be the, the struggling factor for Usman rather than the, the ability yeah. of the, the division below him and like we saw with guys like tyrone woodley and uh they, there's some other ones of just these incredible falls of when age catches you age got you you know what i mean of like it's just it, it gets you overnight you're not expecting it no one sees it there's not a gradual fall that you can look at it's usually just this overnight especially when you guys have when you have contenders as skilled as luke and leon edwards do you think the ufc now let's say luke gets a win this weekend and you got hamza leon and uh, Hamzat, Leon, and Edwards all at the top. What do you do if you're the UFC? And I know we like Edwards, but what do you do if you're the UFC? Nothing's even official or signed. They just were like, yeah, sure, we'll give Leon a title shot. <laughs> yeah, that's like I said last week, if you're Leon Edwards, you're hoping that Jemaya puts in a fairly stale no. performance. And unfortunately no. for Edwards, it was fight of the year contender, you know, one of the best three-round fights I've ever seen. And I think I think Edwards will still get it in fight in International Fight Week in July against Usman headlining whether they do two numbered cards back to back or just the one. 
he's either headline or co-headliner in my opinion to mm. it and the only person he co-headlines is McGregor you know McGregor if True. McGregor comes back Usman co-headlines but then you've got to also consider you know if McGregor comes back international fight week he's saying oh, I want to go up and face Usman the UFC aren't probably going to deny him that shot which is you know, we can't go into that now because we'll be talking about that in, for the next four or five hours, why or the pros and cons of the McGregor effect. But yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think Edwards should be next. And I think, you know, August, October, August, September time, we could potentially see Chimaya versus Luke as a final eliminator. But then what do you do with Colby? You know, he's since losing to the champion, he's 1-0. And, you know, he, yes, it's against Jorge Masvidal. It's not the elite. And that was more of a, a money fight, but where do you go with with Colby from here? You know, it's like you say. Finally, we've got a, a the welterweight division is is moving. You know, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the the rankings now. Colby's number one. Leon's jumped up to number two. Kamzat's mm-hmm. jumped eight places to number three now. Yeah. <laughs> so you know and. Even further down the division, you know, let you know, let's not rule out Bilal Muhammad winning this weekend because uh, you know he's a he's a solid competitor. But yes. my pick will be Luke going in. But you know, yes. you still got Wonderboy Thompson, Sean Brady is undefeated. Sean you know, Brady's a good prospect, yeah. Shafkat Rachmanov at number fifteen. That is, that's a good one. This is a good division out of nowhere. Exactly. You know, I think it's it's as strong as the divisions either side. I mean, it's much stronger than middleweight because Adesanya's beat number one, number three. Number four, yep. Number five, <laughs> you know, is and number ones beat the other five in that division. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's quite a stale division. And then obviously you look at lightweight, and there are contenders at lightweight, but I think there's much more competitive contenders at welterweight. And yep. you know, finally, and you know, we've got to attribute that to to Kamzat. You know, if if Kamzat wasn't there, who who's Burns fighting this weekend? No one. And we still we're still. In the, in the situation where we've got Leon Edwards coming up in July, nothing really happening before then, then probably Luke A next. And, you know, comes out now, I think, what, that 5-0 and in the UFC, four finishes and a, and a fight of the night, you know. He's, yeah. This was the exact perfect fight for Kamzat Shemaev because it's not like anyone would say, well, you know, well, Gilbert Burns is, is past it. You know, he's, he's the much smaller guy. Gilbert Burns was, yes, he was a smaller guy, but he's a game opponent at, at all times yes. in a fight, yes. he's, two fights ago he dropped the champion, or well, he, he really badly rocked the champion and and went the best part of three rounds with him. So uh, I think Gilbert Burns was a perfect opponent, and I think Kamzat Jamaev passed that test with with flying colours because now again, like we said with Paddy Pimblett months ago. People will be less scared to fight Chimaev now because we've seen his gas tank, you know, struggle. Yes, it was, you know, that's not a normal fight, but his gas tank didn't, you know, they were both gas, both guys, and that was only a three round fight. Colby will be confident that he can work at 95% for five hard rounds. And how does that play out? You know, if Kamzat gets really tired in the last two rounds, Colby can just overwhelm him. How does that play out? We'll have to see. It would be incredible if if Hamzat can get a win over Colby Covington. It would be, it would be incredible because I, I would I, just on the face of it, I think I think Colby wins that fight. Better counter wrestling, better tactical striking overall, especially based on what we saw this weekend. But again, it's going back to like, does he does Hamzat keep improving from here? We have to assume yes. He he keeps kind of getting on that trajectory and keeps getting better. If his skill level plateaus at this fight. I don't think he cracks that top three any more than he already has, but remains to be seen. Let's move forward to the pound for pound boys. Uh, your Volkanovsky keys to victory exchange in bursts. Oh my God, Fraser, were you ever on the nose? This was a sad affair. And you know what? Chad Zong-Jung is getting on in years. He got absolutely better than this fight. He's still a top 10 ranked guy who had a win recently. They well within the top 10. Volkanovsky made it look like these guys were two different leagues apart. This looked like an amateur versus a professional. But that gap, when Volkanovsky isn't facing a Max Holloway, he is that good. He is like leagues ahead of most of this division. This guy wants to go up in title because he's bored of the division. That is saying a lot. What do you think of Volkanovsky, Chad Sung Jung fight? Yeah, I can't 
lie and say that I expected that fight to to play out like that because yeah because not I that thought, dominant no exactly I, I had Volkanovski yeah. winning the fight going into it but I didn't have him winning like you say in 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 such a manner in the way that he did because it was so he won every single second of that fight you know and he wasn't scared of zombies power I think he probably felt a zombies power early on in the fight and then you know he was able to stay in the pocket for longer than I thought he would because he, at the end of the day, zombie is quite a, a one-dimensional. When's the last time we saw zombie throw throw a high kick? I honestly could not tell you the last no. time I saw zombie throw <laughs> a high kick. You know? And and that's why you know. And he didn't throw an awful lot of knees. He didn't throw an awful lot of elbows. Zombies. He's he's a boxer with pretty decent grappling. You know. Yes. And that's why Volk was able to stay in the pocket against Max. You know, you don't want to be staying in the pocket for too long because Max will. Or throw a knee up the middle and slice your head right open. You know he'll he'll you know look to 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 put a trip in there. He'll look to you know land a couple of low kicks or or something on the end of it. Which is why we probably see Volkanovski a little bit more reserved against Max because on paper Zombie has the the power advantage over Max, so you wouldn't want to stay in the pocket for so long. Yeah. But what we've seen play out for Volkanovski is that he was more willing to stay in the pocket with Zombie, which is ironic because that's something that I wrote my keys to victory for him not to do because we've seen Zombie at short range. Dennis Bermudez, you know, that uppercut from... Literally, it was just a stepping uppercut. It was really a short range and, and he knocked Bermudez completely out, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think this is, well, without doubt, the, the best performance of Volkanovski's career. But I think it says more about the featherweight division because I've, you know, in my notes I've written down why are there so many one-sided fights at 145. You know, we've got that one-sided fight, Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega, one-sided fight, and Max Holloway versus Carmen Qatar, one-sided fight. Qatar versus Giga Chikadze, pretty much a one-sided fight. Edson Barboza yeah. versus Bryce Mitchell a few weeks ago, one-sided fight. I, I'd be interested to see what your opinion is on why. It happens at 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 one at one forty five that we do get these one sided fights because we'll go on to talk about the bantamweight division in a second, where it's not one sided. No, it's not one sided at all. You know, it's a split decision in the title fight, and the you yeah. know down at flyweight, it's you know not one sided between you know Kaikara France and Askar Askarov a few weeks ago, Brandon Moreno and Figueredo, yeah. you know, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Poirier wasn't a one sided fight. You know. Usman versus Colby, not a one-sided fight. Adesanya Whitaker, not a completely dominant one-sided fight. You know, it, it just happens to be at featherweight when we're getting these one-sided fights in the at the top of the division, which is ironic, really. I don't. Yeah, it, it, 145 is one of the better divisions in the UFC with some very good, promising fighters and some very high high level more established fighters but yeah we kind of when we mix all these guys up we kind of get the conclusions we already had drawn divisions in the ufc are sometimes really weird with how they follow trends sometimes in that remember when welter it was just was just wrestlers for some reason and then middleweight at that time was just strikers for some reason 145 just strikers there is not a wrestler in that division for some reason it happens that the good strikers in that division seem to be miles ahead of the great striker like we're talking about like triple a strikers versus a double a striker is 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 the separation there and they make it look like it's night and day max holloway looks like he's so far ahead of another of a top five ranked calvin gator i don't understand why these guys like there's two guys at the top of the division who are so far ahead i don't know what you do with this division at this point 145 outside of the top five and kind of in the top five doesn't have a clear contender and there's not a clear contender that makes me curious for like Volkanovski beats these guys. Even though third Max Holloway probably wins that fight. Yair, Qatar. My God. Yeah, he beats all these guys. What do you do with this division phrase? Yeah, that's, that's you know, completely echoing, you know, Giga Chikadze losing against Calvin Qatar, especially in the manner that he did, eliminates yep. him as a contender for at least two or three fights, in my opinion, because he's still, yeah. if he can't be a Calvin Qatar like that, with the greatest respect to Qatar, Max Holloway absolutely dominates him like that. You know, yeah. because Max Holloway dominated. I know MMA math doesn't always plan out like that, but what? styles make fights. And the way that Calvin Qatar beat up Giga Chikadze is the exact same way that Max Holloway would beat up Giga Chikadze. Yeah. And the exact same way, if not worse, that Volkanovski would beat Giga Chikadze. Yes. <laughs> We've got Brian Ortega, Yayo Rodriguez. 
if Rodriguez, I think, you know, that's not official, but, you know, it's been in the talks for about five years, but <laughs> if, yeah. if Rodriguez wins that one, it's a fresh, fresh face for Volkanovski. But we know that Holloway will be next for Volkanovski. Going down, we've got Arnold Allen on the outside, you know. I think he's one big win or maybe two you know, wins away from a title shot. Josh Emmett has... He's, he's got the holes in his game. And then, you know, I think the boogeyman of the division or the boogeymen of the division, even, you know, you've got Bryce Mitchell, who's the grappler in the top 15. Yeah. That, the only grappler in the top 15, really. You've got Mosvar Ivalev, ranked 13 undefeated as well. I think that would make sense for me to be the next fight between the two, Bryce Mitchell and Mosvar Ivalev. And then yeah. you've got Tapora, still ranked at 15. I want him to come back down to featherweight, having four uh, Jai Herbert at lightweight because he, he was getting beaten up by Herbert before he knocked him out cold. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, you know, how does Volkanovski match up with, with let's say, you know, Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje? <sighs> Charles Oliveira is there to be hit a lot. He is. He's hittable. And he Justin Gaethje, unless, you know, just in the new, we still call it new, despite the fact he kind of put this in over a number of fights, but the, the new Justin Gaethje, Ignoring the Michael Chandler fight because that, that that was just fun, you know. But you know, ignoring that fight, Gaethje doesn't quite put his foot on the gas. I think if you put your foot on the gas like an old Justin Gaethje against against Volkanovski, Volkanovski's then obviously got to be on his bike for the entire well as long as you last. If you you show any hesitation against Volkanovski, he will be able to get his feints, get his reads. And I'd, I'd fancy him against most uh, at lightweight. I think the Makachev fight would be tough because Makachev's wrestling is is elite, and Volkanovski does have good takedown defense, but it's not, you know, it's not elite takedown defense. His takedown defense is seventy percent, but you know, he, he has been taken down by the Brian Ortega of the world, the the uh, the Darren Elkins of the world, Chad Mendes three times. You know, mm. he is being taken down by these guys. And if you get taken down by an Islam Makachev, you don't get back up, unfortunately, for uh, for all opponents of Makachev. But well, yeah, let's let, let me jump in on the on the Alexander Volkanovsky. The thing is that what we're saying is yes, if Volkanovsky gets his feints going and he's landing in combinations and everything like that, and he has his opponent reacting to the wrong strikes with his feints, yeah, he probably does have a pretty good day against either Charles Oliveira or especially Justin Gaethje. But that is what we're talking about with pound for pound skill. Skill for skill, he's probably better than a lot of these guys at lightweight. But once you actually include the size disadvantage that he would have, both uh, Oliveira and Gaethje are about 5'10", whereas Volkanovski is only 5'6", and doesn't have a reach advantage over either guy. Pound for pound, yeah, I agree. He does beat these guys if they're the same size, but at a different size, I don't really know. Also, Justin Gaethje, I think that smart Justin Gaethje, someone pointed it out to me and I can't see it. The smart Justin Gaethje fighter only existed in the bubble. With no audience, he could do that. When the audience is cheering, now he's bloodthirsty. <laughs> then he falls yeah, apart, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I've ne- yeah, I've never thought of it like that. If you think, yeah, the two is it the two performances that are yeah, oh, well, uh, outside Ferguson. of the, the Khabib. Yes. Yeah, but the Ferguson uh, performance where we obviously saw him really reserved well i say reserved yeah. really fighting smart was an empty arena not even a few yeah. fans in the apex yeah. it was empty so when you you know if you if he catches volkanovsky you might just go go for blood but yeah you know but i don't know size advantage i'm not sure if he can go up. i would like to see him go up to 155 because there's no one at 145 but i feel like the size advantage might just be too much skill for skill absolutely size nah i don't know anymore Exactly. And, you know, I think that's what we saw when Holloway went up to face Poirier, despite the fact that Dustin was a former featherweight, he was yeah. massive in comparison to big. Holloway. And, yeah, you know, I, I can't get the image out of my head in the first round of Poirier landing overhand right, rocking Holloway to the point where he almost kind of ran across and sort of almost yeah. you know, bounced off the fence. You know, that, that there's a clear size this disadvantage for Volkanovski going in and it you know is it an Azasanya versus Jan Blahovic situation all over again where on the feet he probably could dominate these guys because he's going to be a lot quicker than than these guys both Poirier, sorry, both Gaethje and Oliveira are there to be hit but then as soon as they start mixing in the wrestling how much of an impact does the size have but you know we'll have to wait and see yeah. I think Holloway probably will be next 
Or... I think you're right about that too. Yeah, there's no uh, one else. <laughs> Henry Tejudo, but we'll we'll uh, we'll have to discuss that after we discuss the bantamweight co-main. I'm excited for 145. Also, I think this moved up Oval Konoski in my pound for pound rankings. I, I just I'm so impressed with him. He was he's so much better than he made this guy. He he made Korean Zombie a game veteran on who was who had wins recently in the top ten. He just made him look like he was an amateur in this. And it's what he needed as well to put in a, such a dominant performance. You know, he's putting in these yeah. these dominant performances. He's fighting the nights, and he needed that finish. He really needed to sit down on his shots, put his foot on the gas, and he did that. And you yeah. know. I think it's it's definitely it's it's helped his stock and you know just uh, you know we're always going on at, at referees for oh, bad stoppage bad stoppage that was a phenomenal this was stoppage. great this phenomenal. was really yeah I don't think he uh, it Herb Dean I don't think Dean wanted um, a zombie to come out for the fourth round he gave him forty five seconds the the first big shot that landed yeah waved off and then the zombie didn't complain no one complained I've not seen anyone on. Uh, Social media, where we obviously uh, often see people say early stoppage, late stoppage. Phenomenal work by uh, Herb Dean. And speaking of audience complaining, we got the most complainest of them all. Aljamain Sterling retains his <coughs> weight title when he wins three rounds to two on two judges' scorecards. Taking the first round, is the, that was the most important one. Um, in this fight, Aljamain Sterling showed why he was so special to so many of us, like why he looked skill for skill in a different league. The first fight with Peter Yan, he exhausted himself. He's overthrowing fights. The second fight with Peter Yan, he fixed a lot of these holes that he had. He was, I hate to say it, he was largely outstriking Peter Yan for three rounds. He was out grappling Peter Yan for three rounds, I would argue. But um, yeah, people really want to argue about that first round, but I don't know if we do a rubber match. Uh, no, you know what? Let's, let's talk about the fight first because there's, there's a lot to talk about in this fight. What did you think of the fight? How did you judge it? And how about that fan reaction? Yeah, I uh, I want to apologize to Arjamain Sterling first because yeah, we didn't too. give him a, a <laughs> shot last last week. We said, you know, and I don't think many people did. And, and rightfully yep. so. He was battered in that first fight. Apart from the yep. first round when he sort of went all or nothing, he, he was battered in that first fight. And there's nothing to suggest... We hadn't seen him since. You're only as good as your last fight, and he wasn't good in that last fight. And you know, uh, we did allude to the fact that you know the neck surgery, how much of uh, impact on his game was that neck injury having? And clearly, it was having a big impact because he was able to go for five hard rounds. And yeah, you know, in my opinion. I think he won the first round. I've watched the first round alone. I watched the yeah. whole fight and I've watched the first round alone three more times since then. And it's, you know, it's only Tuesday morning. And I've already watched <laughs> 15 minutes of the exact same round. And, you know, there's no damage from Jan. Sterling goes back to his corner and they were just wiping sweat off him and, and reapplying the vaccine. No damage whatsoever from yeah. Jan to Sterling on, in the first round. The cleaner shots were landed by Aljo. Yep. The sort of teep kick, the sort of stab to the stomach with the toes and the ball of the foot. Yep. That was landing. Aljo was going high and then going to the body with the kicks. Yes, they were pretty much blocked, but he was the one sort of initiating the um, the exchanges. There's a lot of pressure from Peter Yan, which I think is where a lot of people are skewed on this. You know, Aljo pretty much had his back up against the defence or was on the outside of the, the, the octagon that's drawn on the... Draw the octagon inside the octagon. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, you know, people pe pe people know when we when we look at breakdowns. Uh, you wanna if you if you're on the outside, you're on the outside of the the octagon that's drawn inside the octagon. Aljo yeah. was on the outside of that for the majority of the round, but you've got to do something with that pressure. And Petr Jan did next to nothing with that pressure. Yes, he, he 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 didn't. Yes, he was pressuring Aljo and he was forcing him to the outside, but he wasn't landing anything. He wasn't throwing anything. And when he did throw, it was largely blocked by Aljo. The stats, I've looked at the stats, I think that I can't see how Petr Jan landed 13 total strikes in that in that first round. Yeah, I don't know where those were coming. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where where that where where those 13 strikes were landed. Those were light shots if he's landing anything. Because Aljamain exactly. Sterling landed uh, about half of his strikes and 
all of them were notable strikes. He landed more, sure. he landed better shots. They were harder shots, especially on a rewatch when we're actually looking for these things. I think mm. Aljamain Sterling clearly won the first round. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do question whether the, there would be controversy if it was the other way around, if it's a split decision in favor of Peter Yan. I don't think there would be because no. people just tend to, unfortunately, not like Aljamain Sterling. That can't skew the fight itself. The, the fight is what it is, whether you like the guy or not. These are two faceless, personality-less fighters. These are just two guys. They might as well be wearing morph suits. Two guys just going in, so you don't know who's who, and just fighting. And, okay, this guy won. It's red corner versus blue corner. It's not, I kind of wanted Peter Yan to win, so I'm probably going to give him the first round, which, unfortunately, I think is what, what Dana White kind of... yeah were saying you know oh i think the judges got it wrong i think peter yan won that i think it's just better for dana white if peter yan wins that because it opens up a peter yan tj dillashaw fight or a peter yan uh, sandhagen two fight or peter yan aldo two fight but unfortunately he didn't win that fight so these fights can't happen yet but uh so let's, let's let me jump on the fandom uh, argument there before we move forward on that but yeah if you're contextualizing your mma ideas through fandoms of like i like this person and therefore everyone else is garbage you're missing out on what the sport actually is and how cool this sport is like aljamain sterling did um, incredible things like he couldn't quite get the takedown so he did back takes this sport is insane this is madness like it's such a, like, you and i both picked peter young coming in um but yeah it's a weird thing of like how much how dislikable is aljamain's i like Aljo. But we had an American versus a Russian in red Florida and people were cheering for the Russian. Is Aljamain Sterling that dislike? Like, do people hate this guy or something? What the hell's going on? And they seem to dislike him. Everyone liked him going into the Peter Yan fight and he gets kneed illegally in the head. And And it's his fault somehow? Yeah. From that fight, I've never understood. You know, I I didn't see a huge... I think a, a few people obviously wanted Sandhagen going into their fight. Aljo dominated and they gave Sandhagen, uh, they gave Sterling the, the respect that he deserved. But yeah, it's not his fault for being fouled. <laughs> it's not his fault. It wasn't it. Why are you blaming him? Yeah. But yeah, in this fight, if we're judging it, uh, I'll throw a few things, other things that Peter Yan fans have like, if you're judging this as a whole or who was closest to finishing, I love that is Aljamain Sterling. He almost had a 10 8 second round. He was closest to finishing the fight several times in round two and round three. He was the more dominant fighter in this fight. He had. Uh, he just showed in this fight why he's the better fighter. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I don't think, like you say, it was close to a 10-8. I don't think it was a 10-8 because the damage yeah. wasn't quite there. He, yeah, you know, nothing was applied. Similar there. to no. the first round, he was controlling the fight and controlling where the fight was, but he wasn't doing an awful lot with it. He, he barely threw any strikes on the ground Yeah, because he was working for position. And, you know, so I do think it was a 10-9 round, both two and three. Yeah, did worry me slightly for for Sterling, you know, going for ten takedowns in the third round, in the fifth round. Sorry, not getting a single one. Going for four in the fourth round and getting dominated on the floor in the yeah. fourth round. But you know, these are all going forwards. I think obviously we'll probably see him against TJ Dillashaw next. Yeah. Surely you can't have Aljo as the bad guy going into that fight. Surely not. You know, TJ right. Dillashaw has cheated, admitted to cheating, spent all this time out. And you're still going to try and root for that guy? No, it's not for me. You know, in in my mind, That's if right. we had a, a good guy and a bad guy going in, it, it that one's quite clear. But I think that where where Aljo is going to struggle is a takedown. His takedown accuracy is twenty one percent, and TJ's takedown defense is eighty six percent. Now I think Aljo, damn, yeah, I think Aljo struggles for the takedown, but I think he deals with TJ a lot better on the feet than he did with Jan. I think everything that Jan was throwing, and even if it was landing on forearms, was rocking Aljo. It was it was having a massive mm-hmm. effect on him. Now, I don't think TJ's got the same power as uh, Petr Jan, but we'll have to see and uh, wait and see if that fight um, is the one that's made next. But I think... Yeah, I want to throw... Aljo, when he gets hit, he, he like looks visually like he got hit. Like every punch, he's just kind of like backing away, his head shakes and stuff. Like he, he needs to work on 
taking a punch and not making yeah, it look like sure. he took because Peter Yan has the exact opposite where no matter what hits him, it looks like nothing hits the man at all, right? Which is why I think you know, maybe things in the first round, he, yeah. the, you know, because he was you know, he was hit with shots and he as he was backing up, so he sort of fell into the fence, or you know, he was mm. circling off to the right and being hit with the right hand. And oh, taking, no, Fraser, are you still there? Oh, I'm still there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hit with the right hand circ- while circling off to his right, and he was taking a few extra steps. It looked like he was almost wobbled. Whereas if he had his feet underneath him, he probably would have just taken the, taken the shot on the guard and carried on as he was, you know. Um, I completely agree. And, you know, that's not a good look for the judges and for the fans, and especially the fans that the greatest respect aren't into this sport as much as, as us we know what we're looking for we know what a block strike looks like we know what happens when a strike lands yeah on ufc.com the, the ufc stats they don't have um gilbert burns having landed that knockdown in the in the fir- in the second at the end of the second round on hamza mm. yes he looked like he slipped but he was caught with a humongous shot before that and i <laughs> yeah. i think it's a little bit convenient that he was caught with the biggest shot of the fight for Burns and he just happened to not have his feet under him at the same time. I'm not sure how much I buy that, but uh, I agree you know, with you. Going back to Aljamain Sterling, I think it's time we put some respect on Sterling's name. You know, you look at the wins, good. you look at the wins that he's got on his record just since that freak loss to Marlon Moraes where he was need. He's got mm-hmm. Brett Johns, who's you know, a solid grappler and he, he dominated him by decision, Cody Stamen. Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz, absolutely didn't give Corey Sandhagen a look in. And now, give or take the first one, he's got two wins over Petty Yan. Yep. Let's put some respect on his name. I think that the, the odds makers will be a lot more respectful to him when he, uh, in his next fight, which, you know, is trending towards being against TJ Dillashaw or, or maybe even Henry Cejudo. Yeah, that's something I think we should probably schedule for a nice slow week because we still have lots to cover here. But yeah, yeah TJ Dillashaw, four fights. He'll have what, uh, three fights in four years. Like, I don't know what's going on with the guy. We don't know if his Neo footwork is even still existing at this point. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's move forward on to uh, what else you want to talk about on this card. Uh, I think one of the other fights that we stuck out on, oh, I got the wrong one there. It was Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres, split decision, which we, you and I, I think both picked split decision. <laughs> we knew something was going to happen there. Um, close fight. Mackenzie Dern gets the nod in this one. What do you think of this? Yeah, I thought, I really, I really liked this fight. I thought it was a really good fight. You know, it was yeah. striker versus grappler. They went at each other a little bit in the week. But mm. Mackenzie Dern is like the, the Brazilian zombie. You know, she gets hit and she will not stop just coming straight forward on the center line, which is probably to a detriment. Mm. But I think Tisha Torres was so scared about being taken down, so scared about Mackenzie's ground game that she she probably could have sat down on her shots a little more. When Mackenzie's coming in on the straight line, mm. sit down on those shots, you know, sit yeah. really or cut an angle and sit down on your shot which she was cutting angles a lot and she, her foot, um, Tisha Torres' footwork was really good. I think I think I had the right lady winning. I think, you know, Mackenzie Dern's game and, you know, the first round is what it is. The second round, when, I think it was the second round when she jumped for that Kimura. I mean, how often do we see that in this sport? You know, the last one I can remember anyone jumping for anything like that Mm-hmm. to any great effect was Brian Ortega Cub Swanson when he jumped on the guillotine and was hanging off uh, hanging off Cub Swanson's neck Dern jumped for the Kimura this time that's then was, cool then managed to get sort of like a foot lock and then like a it's almost like a foot lock in a knee bar and you know I think Dern did uh, did deserve the victory but you know unfortunately for her you look you look you know higher up in the division She's moved up one place now to four. Yang Xiao Nan's moved down to five. I think she struggles against Yang Xiao Nan. Obviously, we know she struggles against Marina Rodriguez, um, having lost to her last time out. Carla's facing Rose. Wiley's facing Joanna, obviously, that was announced this week. Ooh, which I'm excited for. I think yeah, exactly. Was that the one that we picked? Or did we pick for Joanna's comeback fight? I remember we picked I it. think, yeah, it was either that or Marina, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we like Marina more just to get some yeah, blood. Just to, yeah, just yeah. But I'm but not yeah. mad about that one at all, you know. But no. you know, if you look down for Mackenzie Dern, she's it's going to be Yang Shaolin next. There's 
yeah, that's fairly obvious because you know beneath her, Nina Ansarov already got a victory. Tisha Torres already got a victory. Amanda Hebas got a loss on her record, but Amanda Hebas moving up in weight to face Caitlin Chikagian. And then you're not going to fight anyone lower than, you know, number eight if you're number four. It's going to be Yang Xiaonan next. I think she struggles against Yang Xiaonan, but we'll have to wait and see. Yang Xiaonan is good on the feet, but she seems to almost have a negative, negative yeah. skill on the ground, right? Like if she was a video game character in UFC 4, she'd be like negative one on the feet. <laughs> Something weird like that. However, we'll see how the fight goes. I don't have anything to throw on it. What else do you want to cover off on this event before we look at this weekend's card quickly? I think Ian Gary got some valuable, a valuable 15 minutes. You know, I don't think Weeks was, was solid. And, you know, I did think, you know, Gary a little bit disappointing. You know, it's, I'm comparing him to Paddy Pimblett, but I forget that he's he's nine or 10 fights into his professional career, Ian Gary. True. Not True. Nine fights. Paddy Pimblett's had a lot more fights. So he's had the experience of being in there with a tough wrestler, a tough striker, a tough grappler, a tough you know, karate guy. He's yeah. got a lot more fights than, than Ian Gary. So I think, you know, Ian Gary's rise to stardom isn't going to be quite as, as steep as Paddy Pimblitz, but I think, you know, I'm not mad about that. I, I do have to sort of check myself and remember that he is nine fights into a UFC career. Obviously, he only yeah. got married a few months ago. He's got a baby on the way, so he's got a lot going on. Raquel Pennington, Aspen Ladd. Aspen Ladd was disappointing. It really was. Um I don't know what's next for Aspen Lad. You know, she's she's undersized at 145. She's underskilled at the top the end of the division at 135. Yeah. And, you know, it's but she is still young, but she's still got a, a long way to go, in my opinion, before she even considers a title shot. And then, you know, the other two that I'd I'd say, you know, Mickey Gore got sent to the shadow realm. <laughs> Man, Mike Mallet, this guy, this was good at it. I, I can't, you know, I'm going to hold my hands up. I, I hadn't heard of Mallet before before, uh, before this fight. And, you know, I'm not afraid to, to admit that, but I will certainly be tuning in next time out because he got busted up and he just landed. That was a hook from hell. That was so and solid. That was a connection and a half. Yeah, from what I believe, first time Mickey Gore's been finished... Uh, oh no, he's Tico by by Diego Sanchez, but uh, that was a he gassed out against Sanchez if you remember, and it was sort of a merciless TKO. But uh, yeah, and then Ale- what a weird career Mickey Gall's had. But- exactly, and then yeah, Alexia Linick doing doing Alexia Linick things, just some random submission that we we never see in the UFC, and we, you know, I I'd love to break it down for you, but I simply don't know how how he tapped to it i think it's just one of those where it's just an uncomfortable position rather than uh you know any sort of blood choke or or uh or or lock it's uh the scarfold is just a scarfold yeah strange strange submission and i'm not yeah. even surprised it's alexia Linick. what do you expect yeah that was that was a weird one yeah alinic yeah that's that's what he does he does those kind of top side submissions and he's impressive at it i agree mike mallet Let's see this bit kid bang someone else. This sounds like fun. Out Alexi Olenek, good for you. This absolutely awesome stuff. Let's take a quick peek at this weekend. Vicente Luke and Bilal Muhammad again, like we talked about, another top welterweight fight in this division. This is a good main event. The rest of the card is dog shit, man. Oh it is boy, awful. <laughs> With the greatest respect to everyone on there, bad card, bad bad card. <laughs> it's a, not a good one. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm just looking down at now. We are full time writers in MMA, and we're like, I'm not sure who some of these guys are. For sure, you know, the guys in the co main event, as per topology, anyway. You know, you've got two guys making their UFC debuts in a co main event. Dana White Contender Series, but a professionally professional like, UFC debut, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Outside of the, the the main event is a quality main event. You know, we've gone into it a bit. My only yeah. pick is that this fight doesn't go five rounds because Vicente Luque seems almost scared about of hearing anything to do with the judges. You know, the only time he's gone to the yeah. judges twice in his UFC career, um, sorry, three times in his UFC career, two of those back to back, a split decision win against Mike Perry and a loss to Stephen Thompson. Since then, Nico Price, Dr. Stoppage due to an eye injury from Price. 
knees and punches for Randy Brown, obviously the Darce joke against Tyron Woodley. And I forgot actually that he, he secured the Darce joke last time out against Michael Chiesa. I've forgotten about that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's, he's, he's good. He's, he's about, he's about that life, you know, and, uh, Outside of his main event, you know, Miguel Baez is back. William Knight's making his, his heavyweight debut after setting the record for uh, for missing weight by the most amount ever in the UFC. This card sucks. <laughs> this is just getting worse. Lena Landsberg <laughs> returns. I'm excited to see her return after having a baby. Drakkar Close is on the card. Chris Barnett's on the card, which is always fun. Jordan Levitt... You know, Jordan Levitt started well and then lost his lost his second fight and then won his won against Matt Sales uh, in December. But it's all for me. It's it's the main event and and Bellator this weekend. So Sam Hayes versus Stella Nunez as a combined four losses in the UFC. Uh, so yeah, what's going? On? <laughs> um, yeah, I do like. Uh, I'll throw in Vicente Luke. He's, I think Bilal Muhammad is a little bit too hittable, uh, and especially against someone like Vicente Luke. I think he can finish it by sub or knockout, whatever he chooses. But yeah, let's take a look at what else is going on in the MMA world quickly. What do we got for Bellator? It's all Bellator for me. McKee versus Pitbull two, Nemkov versus Anderson. That's Aaron a great Pico's one. On the court card, Tim Johnson, Linton Vassell, Tyrell Fortune's on the card. Gaston Balanes is on the card. Um, you know, did this? <laughs> yes, it's a Friday night card for Bellator. If they went on Saturday, they would blow the UFC out of the water with this one. Absolutely, oh, yeah, blow the UFC out of the water. You know, McKee versus Pitbull two. It finished so quickly the last time out. You know, McKee eighteen and eighteen and oh, it finished in the first round where he pretty much knocked Pitbull out on the feet before uh, before. Locking in, I think it was a guillotine. I think it went down as a guillotine. It was sort of almost like a standing guillotine, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Corey Anderson versus Nemkov. It's we're seeing how how good Nemkov actually is because Corey Anderson has looked good since going to Bellator. You know, he really has. With that being said, his last fight lasted under a minute against Ryan Bader. So how's he going to deal with someone like Nemkov that can mix in the wrestling, the striking, the Everything you know, Nemkov is for me top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world at the moment. And you know, we'll have to see if uh, Corey Anderson can can hang with him. And I think, I think Nemkov wins. I'll be picking Nemkov going in, but it's uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, see how he does to be honest. Because I'm not, I don't think Corey Anderson is as good as Corey Anderson thinks Corey Anderson is, but. <laughs> I do I do think Nemkov is is standout. So I'm gonna I'll mute when I'm not docking up that someone's doing some lawn work out there, I guess. Tim Johnson's <laughs> on the card, Linton Vassell, some banger heavyweights just looking for knockouts. Yeah, AJ McKee, I he, there, there's a reason that he was the only out like fighter outside of the UFC on our pound for pound rankings, because this guy is really good. He's he's not even a prospect anymore. He no. is a great fighter. This is a really good card. Uh, they're kind of going home to San Jose, California, where Strike Force really made its bones. So that's a fun one. Yeah, Nemkov, Corey Anderson for the tournament final. This is a really solid Bellator card. This is a lot of fun, isn't it? This is what I'm saying. And, you know, it would dominate the UFC if they went head to head. But obviously, Bellator on Friday. So don't, don't forget that that's on Friday, not Saturday. So don't make any plans for the Friday night. And, you know, they don't even have any. Big, big boxing to go up against. Errol Spence Jr. returns against Ugas this weekend. But, I mean, in my opinion, that dominates the UFC as well. That fight alone dominates the UFC. Um, it's difficult for the UFC because they've stacked UFC 273. Yes. And then now they're, you know, why wasn't Burns Jemayev headlining this weekend with Luke versus Mohammed as a as a as a co-headliner but you know it is what it is luckily like I say they don't have too much boxing on this weekend you've got Errol Spence Jr. returning and Conor Ben returning which I'm you know really excited about but that's that's UK time so people will always tune into the UFC but if you if you're if you're a, a casual fan tuning in for the for the big names you're probably going to sit out this one because unfortunately it's it's not stacked with uh, with huge names no, I co-sign with you. Don't have anything to add on all that lovely stuff. Um, what do you have writing this week? What are you thinking? What's going on with you? 
Yeah, I haven't got an awful lot out this week. Um, again, though, because because of Bellator being such a good card, we could probably look into uh, into that. We've got plenty up on the site. Um, you know, previews, opinion pieces. Uh, we've got, you know, <laughs> that you will will not find something on uh, MMA soccer that that you that won't interest you. You know, me and Tim are still active on the Instagram and the. Uh, the Facebook pages, you know, we'll be sharing the, the all our links and stuff in the in the description below because, you know, MMA soccer at the moment is is doing is thriving. You know, we've got the sort of more niche promotions. You know, the the Shamrock FCs. The we've got opinion on, uh, you know, Henry Tudor returning three possible opponents. I'm sure we'll go into that a little bit more next week because, like we say, we've got quite a quiet card, and the card after the uh, Luke. Um, Mohammed fight is is uh, fairly fairly quiet as well, so you might get a little bit more sort of news based opinion pieces from me and Tim uh, on the pod next week. So uh, yes, be sure to tune in for that. Speaking of niche stuff, uh, Glory wanted me to put some more content out on the website, so I was like, yeah, sure. Here's some articles on fighters criticizing your CEO. No problem. <laughs> I'll put some stupid content out for you. Uh, but yeah, Glory uh, in bad shape. They also announced. Remember Rico Verhoeven, the center of their promotion, the the, the heavyweight kickboxing kingpin, the whole reason Glory even exists today. Uh, so yeah, he has a fight announced, and it's not going to be in Glory, but it might be against a Glory heavyweight fighter later this year. What is going on? They're bleeding their own champions. I didn't like, even realize that. I haven't heard of that. I haven't. Yeah, I didn't catch that. So. How weird is that one? Of like, so he's fighting a Glory fighter in kickboxing, not exhibition in the Netherlands, not under Glory. Are you? Like, you want to talk it out? Are you guys okay? <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, guys aren't looking uh, good. They lost Cedric Duambe while he was champion. Petch is kind of like their other champion is kind of in between. They lost Anissa Nexon, who was like their constant contender. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys. that Oh, Alexander Pereira. Just like, I get paid more in the UFC rather than being a double champion in glory. Things aren't looking good for for something I enjoy. Looking like <laughs> Tiffany is going to be the face of the promotion with, uh, in the coming years. I'm not mad about that at all. You know, no. it's quality, but... Not Love sure she Tiffany. she planned on uh, quite being <laughs> such a figurehead in the promotion. No, man. I yeah. If we're going to talk more glory, I think in the next few months, I think stuff is. I think we're going to have some major headlines regarding glory coming up soon. Anyway, from Tim Wheaton and Fraser Crone from MMA Sucker, the most handsome boys on the network. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.